film about? What's it really about? What genre does it hit? What is really being said? What's really being seen? That's what you're talking about. Hello and welcome to the Intermission Podcast, where Nitin and Dodi get together now and then to talk about pop culture content, whatever is happening out there. We are starting our latest episode on a slightly somber note because uh, a few days back, Andre Brower, one of our favorite actors, passed away. So, Naren, who are you today uh, as we pay a tribute to Andre Brower? Hi, Nitin. Today, I'm going to be Detective Frank Pembleton. Uh, this is one of uh, Andre Brower's... Uh, uh, signature roles. He was in the show called Homicide Life on the Street for about seven or eight years. It's uh, it's the, by the way, Homicide Life on the Street, precursor to The Wire. It was the first thing that David Simon wrote uh, about uh, Baltimore murder police. So same situation, but largely only inside the station, uh, a lot of interrogations. And Frank Pembleton was the king of the box, as they call it. The box is the ah. interrogation room. So, you know, you put the suspect in the box and Pembleton was yeah. the king of the box. He was the man who came into his own when he got into the box. And uh, yeah, well, Andrebar, uh, I actually remember watching him since Homicide started. Back in the Bible, we used to get Homicide uh, on TV in the uh, as soon as it released. So I have been... So which years were these? This is 93 onwards. Ah, Okay. <laughs> so I have seen him since then. I know younger audiences will probably be more familiar with him uh, uh, with uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, yeah, Captain. where he plays uh, a very different sort of cop, Captain Ray Holt. Uh, which is, uh, frankly, the only only content from Andre Brauer that I've watched. And I'm not a huge fan of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, so I haven't... I think, apart from watching a few episodes on flights, where there is nothing else to watch, uh, I have not really caught up much on that show either. But uh, I have read up about him and uh, yeah, clearly a big body of work going back all the way to 1993 as it transpires. And even earlier, actually, in 1989, he was in Glory, which is how Denzel Washington won his first uh, Oscar. So he has done, <clears throat> excuse me, he's done movies on and off, but uh, primarily he's been a TV actor, a lot of stage. He's got that presence and that gravitas in his voice and all of that. So he's a lot of dignity, a lot of uh, um, authority in the way he speaks. And uh, I know, like like I said, younger audiences, uh, more recent audiences would remember him more from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But even that was a departure. That was a play on the fact that he's always played a cop or a general or whatever else. And in these heavy dramatic roles. And, uh, yeah. you know, you always hear of these comedy actors who will do one dramatic role suddenly and it'll be like, holy shit, what's happening? And all. This is the reverse where this guy has done drama all the yes. time and went straight into comedy. And he's still... Yeah like managing to play against all of these improvisers and all of that. So, yeah, nice to have him around in the later years in comedy, getting to see a side of him, a silly side of him that never really saw with Homicide or with any of his movies. Um, but yeah, I am very young, 61. So sad to see him go. He was a major part of my viewing experiences on and off. And he always gave a lot of like... Uh, um, you would feel comforted having him around, whether it was in this comedy role, even as Holt, where he also plays the dad figure to a lot of, to Samberg and all the other characters, uh, or even in serious roles, right? So, yeah. R.I.P. Andre Bauer, it was good having you around. See you in the next life. Oh, man. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> We will also be talking about uh, Fargo today, one of our favorite shows, uh, the anthology, which is now midway through its fifth season, uh, loosely based on the happenings in Fargo, uh, uh, in the movie, uh, the famous Coen Brothers movie from the late 90s, a cult classic movie. And uh, yeah, so we'll go into Fargo, the story of Fargo over its first four seasons and whatever we've enjoyed so far in the fifth season as well. So, Dodi, initial thoughts about Fargo broadly before we go into season five. Fargo. Uh, weirdly, I I remember the 
I can actually remember this. The TV, I mean, not the TV, the uh, newspaper photograph of the Oscars from that year of the movie. It's Francis. Uh -huh. I think Ray Fine had won for something, if I'm not wrong. It was not the Schindler's List year, was it? I can't remember the year now. It was 96 uh -huh. or 97. But there's a photograph of both of them holding Oscars and whoever else were the, the four, the two best actors and best supporting actors, all four together. So McDormand and I remember Ray Fine being together. I, yeah. I remember that photograph even before I'd seen the movie. I'd heard a lot about the movie, but uh, I had not seen it yet. I think it hadn't released in Dubai. And then may, I think a couple of years later, I watched it uh, in India on VCD or whatever it was at that time. Uh, so yeah, that's my first kind of recollection because I remember seeing Francis McDormand holding and I was like, this doesn't jibe with the idea of Oscar and glamour and acting and all of that. It Francis McDormand doesn't fit that. And what is this pregnant cop in some funny yeah. but violent crime? Imagine being like in the early days of watching that. Of course, Coen Brothers, I've been doing that for a long time. But for me, I'd never seen any of their movies. Uh, so uh, I remember that photograph. And then I remember, uh, I don't remember, quite remember watching it. But the movie was... It's one of the more accessible uh, Coen Brothers movies. This one, Big Lebowski. There's a bunch of them where they get a little, at least for me, not as fun. Not as accessible. Yes. Not as accessible. Uh, there's some Americana, but there's also this. And this at some point will end up being the same thing with the rest of the Fargo show as well. They have this idea of this evil is an amoral, unstoppable force. The problem is not that there is evil in the world. The problem is that there is good. Because otherwise, who would care? Which yeah. only stops because of some accident of what happens, right? It's it's not being, act, like, sure, the heroes are actively trying to stop that evil. But there's also this serendipity keeps happening. At the same time, yeah. by itself is just there's no reason, rhyme or logic, and we'll we're seeing that in season five as well with uh, what's his name, Ul Ul, what is his name, Ulum Ulum, what's that nut job with the anyway that yeah. contracted killer guy. But this is there in the other seasons also. So anyway, movie Francis McDormand great, and those accents fun. Uh, Steve Buscemi, Peter Stormare, uh, it's, it's, it's a blend of comedy meets. Gore meets unexpected violence. Yeah. Wood chipper. <laughs> a part of everybody's pop culture lexicon, no? Yeah. Yes. Nitin, why don't you tell me about your movie watching experience? I've watched uh, I watched Fargo long back. I don't remember when. It's probably in college days when I first heard about the Coen Brothers. Probably the first Coen Brothers movie I watched uh, along with, uh, like yeah. you mentioned, Big Lebowski. And I agree with you, uh, probably two of their more accessible films. And I think Burn After Reading also falls in that category. Uh, and then you have movies like No Country for Old Men, where, you know, it just becomes a meditation on existence and the chase. And, you know, there is some philosophical underpinning to what's going on. You know that the bad people will meet their comeuppance in, in strange, bizarre, yeah. fantastical ways. And uh, it builds up well to it. Always entertaining, uh, but yeah, not always as accessible. Fargo, of course, uh, Marge Gunderson is the name of the cop yes. that uh, uh, Francis McDormand plays. And that name is important because uh, as we see every passing season of Fargo, you see a version of Marge Gunderson show yeah. up uh, in the show. You have uh, you have that in the latest season as well, where you have, a I forget the name of the actor and the name of the character, but there's an Indian. Uh, Onstead, Indira Onstead. In Indira Onstead, who's the Indian uh, woman who plays an Indian origin cop uh, set in uh, in Fargo. And I think one of the earlier seasons of uh, the show also had uh, this cop called Molly Solverson, yes, <laughs> which Molly is, Solverson. you know, almost exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's like almost a rebirth of Marge Gunderson. I think that was season one. Yeah, which was, was a very delightful season with Martin Freeman playing... Uh, you know, the the crazy character, yeah. <laughs> if you want to put it. There's always a stand-in for that. Um, what I really like about Fargo, the show, is that despite the Coen brothers not really being involved with it in any way, you would find it hard to believe that uh, the creative hand behind the show was not the creative hand 
uh, or were not the creative hands behind uh, uh, Fargo the movie. So it is homage done right. Yeah. Uh, it's fan fiction, homage, whatever you want to call it, right? The way Noah Hawley, the creator of Fargo, the TV show, has recreated the vibe, uh, the feel and the the mood and even the philosophy of Fargo the movie is uh, has been quite commendable. And in most seasons, um, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about the stronger and the weaker seasons. I think the previous season, season four, was probably the weakest of the lot. I don't know if we even watched it. <laughs> I watched um, it. Agreed. We did, yeah, because that's why we exist. But uh, yeah, uh, but season one and two, uh, absolute bangers. Uh, I thought two of the best yeah. seasons of Fargo. Season three was uh, okay, not too bad. Uh, and then there was a weak season four. And then, and I think season four came out, uh, I think during the pandemic or just yeah. as the pandemic was beginning, uh, post which the show has been on, a, on the back burner for a while. And I was pleasantly surprised to see it coming back because I thought, Season 4 came out just uh, as the pandemic was beginning and it was a weak show at a time when there was a lot of great television coming out. And I, for one, thought that uh, you won't see another season of Fargo after a week, season 4. But here we are. I I was pleasantly surprised when I first saw the trailer or teaser for it and uh, with John Hamm playing a character, uh, always one of the most watchable actors that we have. uh, what connects Mad Men to Top Gun and to the Coen Brothers? It's it's John Hamm. <laughs> so um, so glad to see a season five that's uh, that's on air now and uh, also definitely a return to form after the week fourth season. I thought, and in my opinion, the opening episode of season five probably the best se- best uh, episode of Fargo I've seen. The opening episode of mm-hmm. season five, uh, a really really captivating hour of television. I thought. Um, I've seen, I think, four more episodes have come out since then. Not uh, didn't quite match up to the first episode, in my opinion, but a very, very solid show with some great acting and uh, a lot of, uh, you know, Fargo universe in it. Uh, so always very likable. You brought up some interesting points. First, I just want to talk about yeah, when we spoke about some of Cohen Brothers being inaccessible. No Country for Old Men. I know many people hail <laughs> it as their, as their masterpiece and. Oscar mm-hmm. and that. I genuinely fell asleep in the theater watching that. I was <laughs> watching and yeah. I dozed off at some point and woke up. I don't even know how much I saw, how much I missed. Uh, yeah. But yeah, sometimes they can get way too meditative or whatever, at least for my taste, or in this case, maybe artist. And uh, yeah, yeah, talking of talking of characters from uh, the Coen Brothers cinematic universe making it into the shows, yeah, of uh, the obvious. Reference uh, is yeah. Anton Chigar from uh, No Country for Old Men. You you have a killer uh, with, with almost the same hairstyle and equally yes. strange yes. antecedents uh, show up in the show called Old Munch, I believe his name is. The second thing you were saying about uh, Holly really keeping the spirit of Fargo, uh, the movie, yeah, I think that's yeah. spot on. Uh, it's unbelievable that they have zero beyond their name being on the uh, you know credits for. Uh, legal reasons, they have, uh, the yeah. Coen actually have zero input on the show. They're, uh, uh, I think they've been asked in the early years and they said, you know what, whatever, we made our thing, somebody else wants to make something, it's all fine. Like, I don't think they've, yeah. it. they've never publicly spoken about having watched it as far as I can remember. So there's no... Uh, uh, they didn't pull off an Eli Raja on... <laughs> On poor Noah Holly, <laughs> insisting on <laughs> okay, uh, slapping cease and desist orders on yeah. well-intentioned fan fiction. Yeah, see, right? It's not That's fine, but you yeah. might expect that somebody will say, "Okay, at least give it your creative blessing." These guys are just like, "Do your thing." We don't. Yeah, yeah do your thing. But apart from giving the freedom, they've also never criticized, or I don't think they even watched like to that extent. Like they don't even <laughs> care that it's happening. Knowing that, the fact that yeah. It seems like it's literally uh, in that lineage and could not be differentiated. Genuinely difficult to differentiate once you've seen enough Coen Brothers movies also. It's not just in the Fargo universe. I think that's the setting and everything else. But in terms of tone, Coen Brothers, have, like I said, in all of their movies, they have this whimsy meets Americana meets like some concept of evil meets yeah. the idea of capitalism itself is evil and people are down all of that, everything. Millions of people bought houses they couldn't afford and now they're living on the streets. 
85% of the world's wealth is controlled by 1% of the population. What do you think is going to happen when those people wake up and realize you've got all their money? Is in and out of all of their movies and it's in and out of Fargo, the TV show as well. So it's not, while it's more obviously uh, an homage to uh, Fargo, it's overall, I feel, a celebration of Cohen brothers themselves. Have you, uh, by any chance, uh, read any of the stuff that Noah Hawley has written? So he's a published uh, author. He's a published novelist. And uh, in fact, long back, read one of his books, which I quite enjoyed. I think it was Before the Fall. Uh, yeah. And I now see he's, he's actually written a bunch of books, uh, five or six. I know. Uh, I haven't read. Yeah. I have stopped reading yeah. books, really and, in general. But tell but, me tell me about Before the Fall. Oh, Before the Fall is, uh, from what I remember, it's uh, about a guy who was on a flight and the, the plane crashes and uh, he has some sort of amnesia or something and then there is a whole conspiracy behind it. It's it's uh, fantastical. It's it's more, it's not really in the uh, uh, Coen Brothers universe. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It's more in the, uh, uh, it's quasi-sci-fi, quasi-James Bond, Mission oh. Impossible uh, area. Yeah. Yeah. some. Not so much action, but uh, there is some paranormal stuff that's going okay. on, and there is some uh, spy stuff that's going on. It's a it is a thoroughly enjoyable okay. pulp uh, page piece page of <laughs> writing. Okay. Good page turner, yes, absolutely. And I think I read it uh, soon after I watched the first or the second season of Fargo when it came. When I was just finding, who's this guy? What has he done before? <laughs> managed to read a book. So clearly, a very a very creative, original yeah. mind uh, doing some very good work uh, in yeah. across medium. He. Uh... That's what even I realized he was an author after season one. I think I also looked him up. I didn't go as far as you in terms of reading the books, but uh, I looked him up thinking, where did this guy come from and how is he so perfectly catching the tone of uh, uh, Cohen Brothers? Must have done something before and I don't, yeah. if I remember, I can't remember now, I don't think he's done much before uh, uh, Fargo in terms of uh, television or film. I think he may have written a couple of screenplays or something, but I don't think he's directed anything even before that. Uh, yeah. And this was the early days of that uh, one person will do the entire show. So it had that, you know, Noah Hawley was, I think, if I'm not wrong, also directing each of the episodes of uh, Fargo, even season one, which is a heavy lift in television. Generally, you have that very rarely. Uh, yeah. Now it's become a little more common. Back in the day, because we had so many episodes, people would just be farming out. Directing at least would be a uh, uh, work for hire kind of thing while the writer and the creators are the real uh, uh, IP holders yeah. and, uh, you know, uh, custodians of the story. Uh, but yeah, he was one of those, we will do all of it together. The other thing Fargo has done is it's been, it's been taking breaks whenever it felt like. So if I'm not wrong, even yeah. though season five, it's been close to 10 years, if I'm not wrong, since it started. Not, not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was around 2012 or 13 that the first, uh, yeah. the first season. 2014, in fact. 14. 14 or 15? Whatever yeah. way, it's, they've taken yeah. like very comfortable breaks, which is partly to do with the way FX, which is the production house and the channel behind this. FX also has this, we don't need it to come every year unless you want it to come every year. Like when you have a story to tell, you come back. That's the same yeah. thing with Atlanta also. Atlanta, four seasons took like seven years because they took a three-year break in the middle and made two year, two seasons at one shot. So they're just, yeah. they're very uh, creator-friendly in terms of saying, you know, do what you need to do. Don't come back because we want something to fill our schedule. If it takes you two years to make it, go ahead, take two years and come back. If you need to recharge and come back. If you never want to come back, don't come back. We'll figure out something. <laughs> yeah. You know, FX is yeah. very like creator-friendly in that sense. So, I can easily imagine uh, Fargo if it had come year on year every year. There's a point at which you get bored. To be honest, definitely turned out. Yeah. What happened with season four and even to some extent three for me? Four itself came after a break, if I'm not wrong. Uh, yeah. But four already, and I have a little bit of fatigue with the current season as well in certain things. But we'll come to yes. that probably a little yeah. uh, later. Uh, but yeah. Holly himself is quite interesting. There are other things he's doing also. So he, somewhere in the middle, he did that Legion TV show. I don't know if you've heard of Legion. Legion. Mm, I've heard of it. Yeah. He's the, 
I think he's supposed to be the son of Professor X in the X-Men. So imagine Holly trying to make like an X-Men TV show. And okay. you should watch the trailer sometime. It's just utter galata. Legion, he, the guy is all in his head and it's all imagination. And, you know, he's able to control things and whatever. So it's entirely fantastical. It's almost like being in a dream world. Even that, I think he made that after season two of Fargo. I watched, uh, I don't think I, I think I watched the full first season. And then second season, I kind of dropped off and didn't come back to it. Uh, but definitely a very imaginative uh, work of art. And uh, to sit yeah. completely outside, we're not connected directly to the X-Men and there's no Patrick Stewart or whatever else. It's just this character and the craziness. He's in some mental asylum and mm. uh, losing his mind. But all of that is his imagination. Whatever, one of those, you know, we don't know what is real and what is not. And fantastical things keep happening as they're happening. He's being chased by some agents, some shadowy government thing. And he's, mm. uh, his powers are being unlocked and whatever else. But very impressionist superhero fair not your usual there's a bad guy and we have to catch the bad guy it's not that straightforward mission kind of thing fully uh mood piece very much uh, feels like a holly thing hmm. if you can tell when you watch that show okay yeah holly would make super <laughs> there's no other way he would make it there would not be any interesting uh beam of light going into the sky in the final episode that they have to shut off before it destroys the entire universe or whatever else. Which, by the way, has happened in uh, a prior season of Fargo. Yes. <laughs> where there are spaceships yes. and there are light beams. Yes. Yeah, we should, we should talk about season two also. Uh, but yeah, Holly did that. Holly did, uh, he did this random movie called Lucy in the Sky or something, which was some Natalie Portman uh, as an astronaut doing something. He's, oh. He tries different things. I think that also like kind of crashed and burned. I remember being Lucy in the sky. Yeah, and watching uh, the trailer, but I didn't end up watching the movie. By then I had started to hit my little bit of Holly fatigue. I think this was after season three, which is when I, <laughs> certain things were becoming yeah. repetitive or uh, yeah, his style and way of shooting also, which you need a break. To be honest, I enjoy it, but uh, I feel like I can't do too much of it at one go. Like, okay, sure, one season, two seasons, fine. I feel now the first two seasons are so iconic that I feel like everything feels like a repetition of that, if you know what I'm saying. Even though we just spoke about the gap between season two and now is a good six, seven years, I still feel like it's a lot of, like some of the... But that is is by design. That's quite, <laughs> yeah. That's his style. He's trying yeah. to keep it the same. I just feel like, okay, I've seen the same music. By the way, did you watch the latest episode? I know we spoke I about did. it. Yeah. They finally used that full theme music in the latest episode. That oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. music yeah. finally came out. I was like, oh, it's not come this whole season. It's come now. <laughs> but you know, that slow movement of camera, very delicious. Um, yeah. This uh, juxtaposition of... Uh, Weird imagery with this episode didn't have much of uh, what's his name again? Uh, Ole Munch. <laughs> yeah. This episode had doing Ole Munch, if I'm not wrong. Uh, yeah, but, it didn't have Ole Munch. But the earlier, when once he started revealing Ole Munch and his background and his whatever backstory, which let's not forget, <laughs> I started feeling this uh, again. We're doing this nameless, <laughs> faceless evil that just exists without any reason for existing. It got a little tired again. That's only because, by the way, the reason to complain about that is because we've already done it it from the same people. So it feels like a repetition rather than a revisit. So that's kind of my pushback on some of the things that Holly is doing, which is whatever comes to uh, Coen Brothers also in that sense. I think my some of my frustrations with Coen Brothers sometimes is the same thing, which is I guess true of anybody who has a particular style, right? Either you completely yeah. buy the style or you say, oh, the style is like too repetitive or whatever else. Um, Ollie, by the way, is also doing the alien. There's an alien TV show now. So okay. Fox owns the alien franchise. So they're doing alien as a TV show. So he's doing something set in the alien, aliens, Prometheus, that universe. <laughs> okay. I don't know what, where, how. It's been talked about for a while. He's been trying to do it. But I think finally they've started shooting now. So there's that also. So he is doing multiple different things. Uh, but yeah, very interesting guy. 
coming to these yeah, the yeah. show itself and these seasons agree with you one and two i think i was great three when i was telling you that we should do a uh, an episode on fargo i was trying to remember three and i mm-hmm. actually and we briefly discussed this i actually could not remember season three <laughs> yeah. and like you said carico imagine it's carico who <laughs> and you don't remember <laughs> and i could not remember season and in yeah. some other podcast i heard somebody talking about the same thing saying season 3 was so forgettable in, in spite of carico like, oh yeah that's the one with carico because they do yeah. nothing with her a yeah uh, david thulis Karikun and Karikun. Evan McGregor playing uh, Evan McGregor two characters and and uh, Jesse Plemons as well, right? In was that oh, season three or season two? Yeah, yeah he's either in. Plemons must be in three, not in two. Two is that's the period set one. See, this is the. That's where I I found it. I'm funny that I could not even remember what exactly yeah. happens in three. Where where is Plemons? Yeah, Plemons and uh, Kirsten Dunst come together in the uh, second season. Yeah, not in the. Oh, third. so they're in that season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, second was very good. Okay, let's go in order. First is largely a retread of, or a reworking of the uh, Fargo story itself, the movie story. Sort of. Yes. Somebody orchestrates Martin Freeman orchestrates a fake kidnapping of his wife so that exactly. he can get ransom money from the uh, yeah right. That's the basic thing, and then things start going wrong. And um, and uh, Molly Solverson uh, yeah. catches him. Catches him. <laughs> in the thing. I think she's also pregnant. She is. Yeah. I can't remember if she's no she's trying to she's date either pregnant or uh, she's, she's not pregnant uh, but she starts to date someone by the end if i'm not wrong yeah One but she's talky of... and slow but also yeah. very smart yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, very reminiscent of the uh, march gunderson march gunderson yeah gunderson yes um billy bob thornton was the person he contracts over to the assassin yes. he is the anton sugar standard yes. so that was season 1 season 1 yeah. whatever it ends and colin hanks is another cop he's the state Correct. trooper or yes. something he has a daughter yeah. or something like that and she yes. she and him finally hit it off by the end and she's helping the daughter whatever else yeah season 2 is her dad patrick wilson yes the so yeah the and that one is thematically connected correct yeah and you the reveal comes very late that uh, yeah you know the kid that you see in season 2 is actually molly yeah. when she was younger molly or something like that yeah season 2 also i remember for two three reasons one is this molly and the father and the grandfather grandfather i think is the correct mom's father not patrick wilson's father but the other's father yes uh, i think they have a strained relationship or whatever but i clearly remember this scene somewhere near the end where uh, patrick wilson takes the daughter and uh goes to the grandfather's house and says i have to do something you keep her here and he comes out said that old man i forget which actor it's not but he comes ted out danson hmm ted danson by the way is in fargo oh ted danson yes sorry yes, ted danson i was sadly remembering <laughs> how much did ted danson get paid <laughs> yeah. so uh, ted danson you didn't get that joke did you you didn't get that joke paid, uh, what did he get paid for oh for saudi <laughs> arabia is... no 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 uh this is a joke from seinfeld where oh. uh, <laughs> jerry and uh, jot kastadza get signed up to do a show ah. <laughs> within the show oh yeah and uh, jason and uh, george is bargaining with the uh, with the channel yeah yeah <laughs> get paid yes <laughs> he wants the ted danson deal he doesn't want whatever 5000 dollars yeah yeah how much does ted danson get paid <laughs> who is he he's ted danson who is he he's somebody who are you you're nobody <laughs> <laughs> yes a very uh, typical costanza yeah. uh, move uh yeah. by the way was the first time i heard of uh, ted danson oh. at all like, who the hell is ted danson then whenever i see his name <laughs> in a show i'm like okay he's But very prominent he in curb if i'm not wrong yeah of course he's he in curb and he's in uh, and then of course and he's in that other show right that he was uh, good place i mean he's a good place exactly yeah, he's god or whatever in yeah what are you saying i remember the scene where despite the differences the moment he leaves the daughter inside ted danson comes out with a shotgun and sits on the yes porch and this guy is just staring at him and i think he says something like that's my granddaughter let's see what happens and then he cocks the yes. shotgun and he just puts his legs up on the porch and he sits down as like okay fine 
Ted Danson has entered the building. And this was almost the end of the season, like episode 7. Right at the end, yes, right at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing I remember is this episode had the, uh, what I like to call the, uh, the Max Bennett. This was the Max Bennett season because they had uh, uh, Gene Smart. The bad guy here is Gene Smart, who has those two sons. She runs this empire of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Signal right. empire. So in my... The head, it was like, oh, this is them doing the justified season two right. Max right. kind of thing, where she has two, three sons. They all are varying levels of uh, meets, meets yeah. moral meets in, incompetent. I think they're three, four sons, and they all have yeah. versions of that Godfather setup of Sunny and uh, Fred. Yeah. Nobody's Michael, everybody's Sunny and Fredo only. They're either like yeah. were hot or highly stupid. Useless. Yeah. yeah. And she is the only one who's keeping the entire thing under control. It was my uh, reintroduction to Gene Smart as well. Gene Smart was great in that season, I thought. That I remember. And I remember that it ended with this, God knows what, random, unexplained alien phenomenon, which by the way, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, typical Coen Brothers fashion and Holly did it well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Then season three. And there was this one character from season two who, uh, I forget, he's this black gangster who I think uh, appears again in season 3 or in season 4. So, but season the connections three. between the seasons become very tenuous. Yeah, no, that's uh, season 3. And they season really three. are disconnected. Yeah, you're talking about season 3. That guy is not in season 2. No, no, uh, there Chris is some... Son. No. Chris Rock's son is in season 3. Mike Milligan or whatever. He's not in Exactly. Two. Mike Milligan is in season 2. He uh, he is... Uh, I, I remember the name. He, ha- he has a different name in the... Mike Milligan. Uh, Mike Milligan. Mike Milligan. Yeah, he he shows up in season two as well oh, as two? a hitman. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought he was in three. In season three is sort of a prequel to season two in that sense because it it shows you that kid, but it's a very very sort of weak connect. Okay, whatever. Anyway. Uh, I remember reading about it when it came, and because otherwise there is zero connection between these two seasons, and I think the yeah. last couple of seasons aren't connected at all. In fact, season four makes a complete detour. Right, it goes to yeah, a different. Yeah. Season part four, of the, the only connect is Mike Milligan. Roughly, because the kid grows up. Yeah, he shows up, yes. Ah, okay. So, Mike, you're saying the yeah, connection between three, three and four. It's not yeah. in season two. Okay, maybe. Season yeah, two is set in the 70s or whatever. No, and season yeah. four is set in the 60s. So, he's not yet grown up. So, okay. I'm actually going This to is why I'm saying season three is the one that creates the problem. Because uh, nobody <laughs> fucking remembers anything that happened that season. Even Kirsten Dunst, like you were saying, now that you're saying it, I yeah. remember them in season two. They are the yeah. happiest random... Trying to do something. I think they try to do some kidnapping or some crime. And it gets caught up yeah. in other thing. And they are like just trying to make a buck on the side. But they get caught up in this entire story. That's their So point. Mike Mulligan comes in the finale of season 2. And he gets promoted. I'm actually googling this. He gets promoted in his mafia syndicate to a middle manager. See, today is my coronation day. And on coronation day, I've always believed... New king should start his reign. An act of kindness. Right on. And an act of cruelty. That way, your subjects know that you're capable of both. God and monster. Okay. And then he's, he has a more prominent role in season three and he's the child in season four. Oh, so that's I don't remember him from yeah. two. I remember him only in three. <laughs> yeah. He has a very he has a small role, but a very impactful role in. In the last episode, so it's like a cameo. It's like Rolex in the uh, in Vikram. <laughs> Season three, genuinely cannot remember. I remember David Thewlis a little bit. Yeah, with a bulimic problem. Yeah, there's some uh, parking, parking mafia or something. Parking. I remember him in a van driving in and out of on a truck or something driving in and out of. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and surveillance truck, and uh, he has a bulimic problem or something, right? Yes, yeah. I remember. Yeah. He's an eccentric killer. Yes, yeah. I remember. Uh, Carrie Coon has a kid, and she's an author or something. She writes books, something of that sort. Yeah, and I'm she flies to... somewhere to investigate something. And there is Evan she's McGregor. Very uh... tangentially connected to the plot. I don't even think she's in the things happening in the plot. I can't remember. At yeah. All. Like that's a level. Yeah. I mean, I remember being highly disappointed with season three because it came on the heels of Leftovers getting more. And I was like, oh, Carrie Coon, one more show. Come on, let's do this. 
and there was fucking nothing in that season with her what a waste you know what's interesting about this podcast episode we don't remember much of the show and right. we are sort of trying to figure it out in a way what i remember i wanted to do this yeah. show because i knew i was still struggling with 3 and i deliberately didn't read up anything about 3 but go ahead yeah. me i haven't read about anything hello hey, snow quick editor note to say that we know we've been making multiple mix ups um for example mike milligan's story was entirely in season 2 uh with the uh, youth part of the story in season 4 and uh, the port scene that i was describing was uh, from season 1 between colin hanks and keith carradine not um patrick wilson and ted danson holly in the show have been recycling plot elements and reusing them from season to season and we hope you forgive us if we do the same enjoy the rest of the episode I remember the last episode of season 3 there is a shootout that happens uh, there is a chase i think there are a couple of cars on a desert highway or something and there's a shootout i remember that episode the, the ending the finale being a fairly powerful episode it sort of the finale kind of redeems to an extent season 3 i thought because i agree with you otherwise the season starts off well and tails away otherwise season 3 has the two even mcgregors one guy is that yeah. boss like this thing one guy is a bit more polished and one of them dies yeah correct he gets burnt and dies or he like he Something, died yeah. in typical coen brothers yeah death, yeah. Like, yeah he probably both of them him. die by the end of it right? i'm sure by the end both of them die but i think that uh, <laughs> the balding uh, scraggly head fellow i think he gets yeah. like burnt up like he tries to yeah 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 so bad and one, gets yeah. like burnt up chopped this that like some three four things happen to him before yeah. in typical coen brothers fashion you know who else was in season 3 which is why i should have really remembered and liked it is uh, mary elizabeth winstead and she's the one who kills this even mcgregor i think she's also a killer or thief or something and she gets caught uh-huh. up in this stuff and she's correct she's the one who does all the final somehow solving the problems hmm. so yeah, yeah. see this, i remember this was 2017 when i watched it i remember being interested in it and watching it uh, in parallel with better call saul the season that came out then which was i think season 3 uh, or 2 of better call saul the one where chuck dies at the end spoiler alert but uh, yeah but see, that's all i remember and i, me, <laughs> and I remember the last episode yeah 3 completely suffers because of too much proximity to 1 and 2 i cannot remember anything from it <laughs> it's a very typical season yeah. of maybe it was a little more boring or whatever but like all the things we are saying yeah. sound like a standard season of it was, so it had all it the came after two very strong seasons which were yeah. not easy to follow yeah. so it struggled yeah. a bit and i mean you couldn't remember much of it and then you had season 4 with chris tucker sorry chris rock i keep saying chris tucker for chris rock <laughs> yeah chris rock before he got slapped it was pretty lame i thought it had some very good music though it had some wonderful jazz songs which i've added to my yeah uh, random playlist but yeah that's about it yeah it it took elements and could not make the the right uh, proportion and of- and i think it also struggled probably i mean for the same reasons why season 3 became a little too familiar because you were again back in north dakota seeing the yeah. snow and the dreary settings you know it is not set hence Three settings in Chicago right. or something. It's the Black Mafia uh, Chicago oh, okay. with some. I no, think that's four. Four is set. Four, four, four. I'm talking about four. Yeah, exactly. So because the first three were set in very familiar, similar uh-huh. situations, and maybe that was working against the show. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the reason why Noah Hawley took uh, season four, four out. Departure, but then that yeah, departure goes to yeah. It was too much of a departure. I think it's Kentucky way. or something, if I remember right. Yeah, it's yeah. too much of a departure, and it doesn't work. So yeah. Yeah, so except I except for the Mike Mulligan. Uh, yeah, which also you only realize story, when, which is like, yeah, like you only get okay, a confirmation so because the name is not Mike. I think the name is something else. Something like that. Yeah, birth name yeah. is something. So you don't know. Okay, yeah, so you realize it right at the end. Yeah. He gets yeah, otherwise uh, a very weak adopted show. by Father Mulligan, who takes Correct. him somewhere. Yes. Like so you know Mulligan, yeah. and we all know that there was a Mike Mulligan. So midway through the season, I figured out this kid must be that yeah. because they know how it would land up. There was one excellent episode. Uh, there was one fantastic episode which was in black and white. 
in season 4 i think it's the penultimate or the antepenultimate episode ah, it's yes. almost a standalone episode that works really really well that's one where they take the kid to get killed they take yeah. him to the quarry to kill him exactly father yes. milligan and he escapes and yes he saves him and drives off with him yes. so the whole two episodes where the kid and father milligan are on a drive away on a drive yeah father milligan i think chrisock tells father milligan take care of my son or something like yes that's happens and he sends him off and so the milligan storyline starts not like at the last scene of the last thing okay i will adopt you yes. it literally yeah, yeah it happens a couple of episodes before yeah. you're right you know who else is in season 4 and we're not talking about it at all uh one and only if you have a marshal in a tv show you have to call him first <laughs> <laughs> mr helen <laughs> given Mr. I don't Timothy even remember. Uh, I don't even remember seeing Timothy Oliphant in the. He's a marshal in season four. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. He also, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I remember. He yes. dies within two, yes. three episodes. He gets like yeah. shot yes. in the face or something. He does some nonsense. <laughs> yeah, I remember he gets shot also. But yes, yeah, right. look, we are talking about like iconic people that we should at least remember. Yeah. let's let's go to okay we complained a bit let's go to some fun stuff some of the names and i wish i had looked these yes. up but the names season 4 has the best names yeah uh, there is a uh, uh, the decider.com has a list of the funniest names in fargo ah yes so i'm going to just say the <laughs> name let's try to which season who is if you can scroll without picture all right thurman smutney i've seen the picture and i still can't place the <laughs> character by the way it is from okay. season 4 and i believe oh. some of the funkiest names were in season 4 Uh, this Hansy Dent from season two. Yeah. Uh, he's a hitman from season two. By the way, Mariel Winstead's name in three is a great name. I forget what it is. So when we come to it, we'll come to it. Whose name? Whose name? Sorry. In season three, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who I was saying. I ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Swoop, swoop. Nikki Swango, Nikki Swango, Nikki Swango. And there's a famous song, "Grinch and Swango," which you should listen to. Yes, 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 yes. Wonderful number. Yes, but what? Yes, yes. <laughs> Swango, which plays when she's around. Yes, Grinch and yeah. Mr. Numbers and Mr. Wrench, right? So that's again from that. Uh, this from season one. So these numbers are numbers and Wrench is uh, those two brothers. One guy is mute and he doesn't talk. They are the exactly. They are yeah. the Fargo. They are the killers. They are the names uh, Peter Stormare and uh, Steve Buscemi, the butcher couple. Yes, yes, yeah. One of them, the Home Alone yeah. guys, kind of almost. Josto Fada from season four as well. Jason Schwartzman in season yes. four. He is the uh, rival uh, gang uh, uh, yeah. head son. Yeah, he is. He is the. Yeah, he is the like constant calamita. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's the father, or he's the uncle, or something. The he's an uncle, yeah. He's a member guy. of the gang, yeah. And one of the yeah. sons is Jason Schwartzman. Constant Calamita is his right-hand man, I think. Yes, okay, yeah. something like that. Yes, Constant. Doctor Senator, Doctor Senator, Doctor Senator. Doctor Senator is this guy's right-hand man. Yes, uh, Doctor <laughs> Man. It's this fellow. Doctor Senator is Nam Mayor Royce. Glenn Tumman. Yeah, Mayor Royce from uh, Wire. Ah, okay, yeah. The first yeah, name, not, not, not she, yeah. not that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not him. Yeah, not yeah. Him. He's his uh, Tom Hagen consigliere, one who keeps doing all the minister stuff for uh, Chris Rock. Yeah. Ah. There is, of course, Rabbi Milligan, which is uh, yes from uh, yeah uh, season two. There is. Uh, Thaddeus Mobley. I don't remember some of these names, but they are funny. Stavros Milos. Stavros Milos, I vaguely remember, but I can't yeah. remember this. Oliver Platt. Uh, Oliver Platt, yes. From season one. From season one. Yeah. Ah, uh, he is the. V.M. Varga. V.M. Varga is. Varga is uh, David. David Thewlis. That I remember. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Where else is the character Varga? Character name Varga come? Oh yeah, Nacho Varga man. Nacho Varga, of oh, course. Yeah. Where else? <laughs> Come to season uh, five. Lon Malvo, uh, season one, Billy Bob Thornton. Ah, Lon Malvo. Yeah. Who's the yeah. memorable name in season five? They've lost this plot of memorable names. Yeah, oh, I think they went overboard in season four, and I think they again Doctor Senator in season four. Like, yeah, that was the pinnacle of we have gone yeah. the not pinnacle, yeah. but rather the 
we have yeah. gone two steps beyond what's required. No, but nothing is in season four is memorable name wise. No, nothing. Oh no, there is one. There is a Danish the uh, the guy with the ah, eye patch. Eye patch. But that is <laughs> breakfast pastry. I don't. I don't talk to people who are named after breakfast pastries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the names are missing because I used to get very yeah the names are missing. Yeah, I remember. By the way, did you do you remember uh, Jordan Peele was in season one? Oh, Must yeah, have been a blink yes. and you miss it role. Special agent Web Pepper. Yes, 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 yes. They come for a bit. Yes, I remember this. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He and oh, one more. It is Ski and Peele together. Ski and Peele. That's what they. I was yeah, Bill Budge. Okay, they were together. Okay. I, because I no uh, he does well love. Uh, Cohen Brothers do this, but he also does this, Holly. Uh, this uh, double agent business. FBI is yes. not double agent. Two agents is what I meant. Two agents. Two people will come together, which is why you have that hilarious, one of the funniest scenes of uh, season five is uh, John Ham sitting in that bath with yes. his fucking nipple <laughs> rings. <laughs> I promise. Walking out of it. Yeah. And, with a towel uh, that has his name on it. <laughs> Later. And the best scene, best thing is he, that guy has introduced himself as Agent uh, Joaquin. And he's looking at the card and he's eating the card. And when he gets up and he's leaving, finally at the end of the scene, he says, <laughs> Agent Joaquin, jo Mrs. Joaquin. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's the reverse. Like the name is normal, but you turned it into something uh, stupid. Like why would you think to agents are husband and wife or generally <laughs> black? Yeah, and that's where you get to see the nipple rings for the first time, I think. Uh, but uh, see, his name would have been good scope for what's his name, Sheriff what? Uh, Roy Tillman. Yeah, Tillman. Yeah, Tillman is like, so much scope for doing something there, but did nothing. Yeah, yeah. Trump. Him Trump. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit in depth on season five and why we feel. Yeah. It coming back uh, like you said first episode i also loved it i think i liked the idea of the twist on the idea of wife is getting kidnapped again in the first episode yeah. we didn't know a lot of the other story you just see a lady getting kidnapped from a house of a rich person's daughter-in-law getting kidnapped so you think it's another retread of that but then they twist and turn it in multiple different ways yeah, yeah. any of the connections yet so i think we've managed to be relatively non-spoilery yeah. about this uh, since audiences will only right. watch it later uh, but yeah that's i enjoyed that i enjoyed the home aloneing and the reversal of you know she will fight back if she needs to juno Tem yeah uh, i i thought the entire action sequence in that yeah. first episode right was uh, extremely well choreographed uh, yeah. by and i think the first episode was directed by no holly himself huh. uh, uh, subsequent episodes he's yeah. not been he's not at a director's credit uh, and i think it shows uh, it really starts with the him, which is why the theme music latest is him. latest is him, ah, okay not wrong, which is why the theme music is back and whatever um but yeah uh yeah first was the best um yeah and uh, there is that i think one of the funniest scenes i've seen is the one with the air horn in the first episode the the shop the guy in the store yes <laughs> blows the horn and gets yeah, no, blown no, away <laughs> uh, yeah but yeah, that see that um, was a good which is which is why you remember season four mm -hmm. like black and white and the end of season three also yeah. when it comes to finally doing explosive action they're very yeah, he's at, really really good at it good yeah. at action meets unexpected comedy meets this air yeah. on kind of movement right yeah uh, but sometimes the the stuff that gets you from one bit of that action to the other bit starts lacking. Usually it's good. That's lacking, yeah. One and two had like interesting character stories. But like, enough about uh, Lokesh Kanagaraj's Leo. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired, bacha. Shots fired. <laughs> did you watch Leo, by the way? Yes. yes. Uh, so did did the, the cafe shootout remind uh, you? Or did the first, uh, did the action sequence we are talking about uh, in the first episode of season five of Fargo remind mm. you of the cafe shootout in Rio? Cafe shootout, one second. Which which is the shootout? First is the his reveal as Leo that uh, they come to get that. Uh, no, no, the cafe where the these two thugs come in, uh, cold mm. coffee, where Miskin and uh, the first time he shoots, 
the first time ah, he picks up a gun guys come in and fight with the yeah, yeah. doesn't want to yeah, fight at the cafe yeah ha ah, okay, okay yes fine. no you say shoot out i'm thinking of like a gun battle it's the regular no 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 fine regular yeah. fight yeah but ultimately it ends with that he takes the gun and shoots ah. him down yeah with kar kar karpari playing in the background <laughs> see this is the references i would not get what is that please explain Oh so come on you, you know that uh, Lokesh's uh, signature move is using old songs uh, not really old super hit songs but songs you would not expect in situation so in uh, in Kaidi you have this thing where uh, there's the whole uh, people stuck inside the fortress and uh, yeah. gangsters trying to get in and in order to prevent them from communicating with each other they play loud music the college kids stuck inside the police station play jumbalaka jumbalaka yes i very loudly yes yes similarly in this film uh, when vijay is uh, entertaining his kid daughter mm-hmm. he is literally playing tamil songs of his generation and she is sort of uh, asking for you know i don't know the, that song that he sings later yeah she is asking for new english uh, songs yeah. whereas he is playing songs like kar kar karpahi which is from a prabhudeva film uh, a deva song from the late 90s or early 2000s Uh, a song that by the way people like me have probably heard a few times and not really given too much attention to but then it starts playing in this film right and i don't know the quality of the speaker the dts surround sound and it's so groovy yeah. and i'm convinced that what they're playing is actually a remix and not the original song and then i go back and listen to the original song it is the original song <laughs> which by the way uh, after having watched leo that song in the last Three weeks or whatever, a shot to the top of my Spotify most listened. Of course, uh, playlist, right? This is that. Uh, this is one thing that's happened with these. Uh, the students have now started. The people who are fans have now started making movies. There yeah. are bad things to come out of, but the good things are things like this. Like Quentin Tarantino had the same thing, where he'll bring back this actor from way yeah. back when, or even music that Quentin Tarantino is similar. So this guy also. There's something This one is not even homage it's a, it's actually anachronistic you don't expect this yeah, song yeah. to play over there it doesn't fit in really with the theme of the uh thing because it's a very thought song but i yeah. guarantee you i i don't know if he has spoken about it publicly this will be some song that has stuck with him he heard when he was absolutely a, yeah stuck with him and he doesn't get why everybody else in yeah. the world is not a fan of this song so screw oh, yeah. going to put this and make this a hit and he uh, he does the same thing so it's a signature movie he does it in vikram as well right the scene where uh, uh, agent vikram kamal hasan comes into the prison to free up oh. his uh, uh, his team which has been arrested yeah so he plays this song on the uh, pa system of the police station ah. uh, the chakka chakka tikichi ah. which is uh, mansoor ali khan song again okay. a random song with only lokesh kanakrat seems to remember yeah, yeah. so the funny funny aside uh, uh, from on that <laughs> so when uh, Lokesh was explaining this scene to Kamal. Hmm. They were saying we are going to play this particular song, sir, when you walk into the station, right? Hmm. And Kamal Asar was like, "Okay, but what song is this? I've never heard it. What is the song?" And Lokesh had to explain to him, "This is actually a song. It's it's famous." And we'll play it. He's like, "Okay, whatever. Your film." <laughs> yeah, your film. <laughs> yeah. But that's this thing where, yeah, and uh, I'm going to make everybody appreciate this thing that I appreciate as a kid and nobody else did. how did we get on the lokesh kanagraj event <laughs> yeah, from, from yeah from the the shootout from the store uh, yeah, the so action sequence in the first yeah, episode yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. so i i know we've gone a long time into this episode without mentioning her uh, but for me this season is so far being made by uh, what's her name uh, dot dorothy yeah. yeah juno temple as uh, dorothy i know you're a big fan of uh, what's her ted lasso ted lasso Yes, and you're probably a medium-sized fan of Brooklyn Nine-Nine as well, which we spoke about, and so this connects the thread. Uh, I find a lot of these new sitcoms quite boring. <laughs> I, I don't have another any other way to put it. I don't find them funny. They don't give me the laughs. Uh, I really don't know what the point of them is. And uh, Ted Lasso definitely fits in that uh, ah. bucket for me. I know you're a huge fan, so not meaning to yuck your yum, but this is just my my opinion. And I really, absolutely cannot stand Juno Temple in that show. which is the only other place where i've seen her um and she is fantastic in this uh, season of fargo like she's just incredible she's obviously the yeah she is the protagonist your uh, she's the person you want to sympathize yeah. with they want you to sympathize with and it's her uh, yeah. run that your uh, she's the one you're rooting for pretty much right and she totally sells it for me yeah yeah she is great in this she's actually not that good in ted lasso 
but that's the last big prominent role she had. I really enjoyed her here. I remember the first episode. I was like, when the trailer came out, I was like, why is Duno Temple struggling so much with accent? You would think they would be better. And then the reveal comes that the accent is an accent and whatever else. So yeah, why and how we want uh, yeah. talk about here? But it's a put on on it's a put on that works. Basically. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so there's a reason why it's bad. Yes. Yeah. Method acting. Yeah, she is great. Um, I've been enjoying uh, this one also. Of course, we spoke about John M, but also yeah. what's the guy who's playing his son? The the oh, yeah. son. Hmm? the Stranger Gator. Things guy. Yeah, Stranger yeah. Things Gator. Yeah, Gator also that. Yeah, he's fine. He's a son who's klutzy, dunderhead, hot-blooded yeah. idiot. Yeah, hot-blooded idiot. The combination of Sunny Fredo. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> again, in the line of all of these, uh, Fargo has always had one or two of these yeah. combination of guy who thinks he's a much bigger stud than he actually is. And he's actually yes. quite like dangerous. And he's the reason why everybody else around him gets screwed all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jennifer Jason Lee is very good in in a, in a role that, I uh, you know. I don't really know what so, she's doing with that accent. That's what? not the Fargo accent. That's not something. She's yeah. doing her own thing. She's, she's her doing her own thing. thing. Yeah, her own her thing. But having fun. Yeah, yeah. But uh, her comedy also is not her. That's the Noah Hawley's situational having whatever uh, setup comedy on it. Have you noticed the uh, the big painting behind her uh, seat? I remember noticing it. I don't remember what it, it is. Just now, says uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's her uh, chairman seat or whatever in her big ass yeah. office. It's a huge painting. I just say it's like. Very colorful and all of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no. <laughs> it's right in front of me. What is this comedy nonsense? But yeah, I'm, I got a little, thankfully, latest episode didn't have a lot of old much because I got a little. His backstory has been quite uh, boring, let's say, and also incomprehensible as things tend to be sometimes in Fargo. This idea of metaphorical evil is so evil that yeah. you cannot explain it. And it I live be. here now. Yeah, yeah whatever yeah. that is. <laughs> Get out. He, I want Holly to sometimes stop himself from being too Holly. <laughs> if, if because it then becomes very hollow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, five episodes in. Uh, I feel this is generally the time when uh, Fargo seasons in the past have picked up. The last two or three episodes normally deliver even if uh, you know there is a bit of a slump and i think yeah. that slump is we're just getting out of that slump now i think episode five is decent so yeah let's see how fargo ends yeah. i'm fairly sure it'll be a strong ending to this yeah. season and uh hopefully it uh our listeners in india will be able to watch the show with us uh but yeah please watch at least the first two seasons of fargo if you have not dear listener yeah. and the movie itself uh those are definitely the highlights of the Farg Universe. Farg Universe. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh... Yeah, Dodi, because for the last three weeks, I've been talking to you only about one thing, which was uh, the best Tamil film I've seen probably in the last five years, I would say. It's uh, Jigar Tanda Double X, oh, oh, which is now... Five years. Now it's like getting... Okay. Yeah. Oh, I didn't mention that. Yeah. I, if uh, I were no, to think yeah. back, it's not like I watch all Tamil films, but uh, not that there are so many that are watchable. But if I would think about recent films that uh, had this sort of an impact on me, I'd probably rank this up there with uh, Sarpata Parambrai, which came, I think, again, during the pandemic, uh, which also is a very interesting film. It's a film on uh, boxing in Chennai. Uh, but this one is a real, real solid go it's streaming now on netflix uh, directed by karthik subraj and uh, no spoilers in this uh, but i should uh, tell you that clint eastwood uh, there is a a version of clint eastwood that shows up in jikatanda double x okay uh, okay he's uh, he's a character in the movie obviously he doesn't act in the movie the, but uh, there is there is clint eastwood in the movie and uh, someone actually uh, a, a fan of the film a couple of days back tweeted Clint Eastwood saying uh, mm-hmm. in in Tamil cinema, this movie got made. It's a tribute to you and to old Westerns. Uh, you should definitely watch this. And I think as of yesterday, uh, and this, this is a handle, it's the official Clint Eastwood handle. It's uh, I don't think it's managed by him. I don't think uh, 
I think he has better things to do than uh, manage a Twitter account. But whoever handles the account actually responded and said, yes, uh, Clint has heard about this film and uh, he will be watching it soon. He's currently oh. directing a film of his own. So apparently when he's done with that, he's uh, it is in his watch list. So Dodi, will you watch uh, Jigatanda Double X before or after Clint Eastwood? Is the question. <laughs> I have a, you're trying to joke. I have a double joke on this. I probably <laughs> will not be able to because Clint, the, the speed at which he shoots, he would have finished shooting that movie by tomorrow. <laughs> Clint is famous. He's known as one take Clint. He's basically, he's, uh, he doesn't he's been take... practicing the fast trigger for many years. Yes. So he just, <laughs> like he'll shoot whether people are ready, not ready, whatever, he'll shoot. Yeah. By lunch, he packs up, goes home. He brings, he's famous for, sorry, complete digression, but he's famous <laughs> Highly uh, efficient at production and always coming in under budget. And yeah. actors used to complain. Like he's the opposite of, if you heard Fincher does 100 takes, 150 takes yeah. and get pissed yeah. off. And Robert Downey Jr. is fucking peeing in uh, <laughs> jars and leaving them on the set of Zodiac because he's so mad at, uh, <laughs> at uh, Fincher. Yeah. Clint Eastwood is the opposite. One take. I'm done. And then the famous story. I don't remember who it was. Was it... Uh, Matt Damon, I think Matt Damon in uh, Invictus. Uh, Clint Eastwood did okay. that. Uh, uh, Morgan, not Morgan Freeman. Who was it? I may be Morgan Freeman. I don't know who was Nelson Mandela with the... Morgan Freeman was Nelson Mandela, yes. And uh, the, uh, what are they called? The box, spring box or whatever box. The Yeah. The... So Matt Damon, first day on set, he's really practiced his South African accent. It's very difficult to do all of that. First scene, he does it. He's super nervous. And he thinks, you know, let me get my nerves out, one or two takes, and then I'll come into things. First time he's working at Clint. Clint says, okay, cut, done, uh, print. <laughs> he said, you know, we're like, I'm just like getting into it. Can I do one more take? And Clint says, why? Do you want to waste everybody's time? <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I am now understanding what kind of direct you are. Clint is, Insane. do you want to waste everybody's time? Like, okay, anyway, yeah. so that's it. Okay, don't say more about Jigatanda now, especially now that you have said anyway, it was you had pushed me enough and I had not done it. But yes. that you're saying best of the last five years, this is like extra, extra high pace. So, fine. Yes, so, we will have to spend time talking about Jigatanda Double X. I will watch it and we will discuss in the next episode. Uh, so, to return the favor, I have been telling you to watch Slow Horses. I know you're busy, but whenever you can watch it, it's one of the best things on TV right now. It's literally yesterday we watched the latest episode that came out, uh, episode four, I think. And yeah. we were doing something else. My wife was like, I have to watch episode the next episode. I, I've heard <laughs> like this in a long while. I'm so irritated. <laughs> Where's the next episode? Like we have said. Episodes no, no. need to drop together. No, <laughs> Always. No, no. This is the way. You have to live in it. You have to live in the show. That's how it has to be. We'll have that uh, other discussion, binge versus. Now you know why I'm not yet watched. I will wait for everything to land and yeah, then watch it together. <laughs> but anyway, Slow Horses, for those who haven't watched, Apple TV Plus, uh, adaptation of uh, Mick Heron's uh, book of uh, spy novels. Uh, it's a group of uh, failed agents, people who have made such catastrophic errors as MI5 agents, uh, that they should be fired. But for whatever yeah. reason, they are either they know something or, you know, they They're can't too, uh, let yeah, go. They know so too much to be let. Yeah, yeah, you cannot actually let them out into the wild. So you uh, put them away in this corner office in the middle of nowhere and give them highly irrelevant work to do. Right. But yeah. this stuff happens around them and it's a pun. So they are the, they're put in this office called Slough House, but that's because they are the slow horses. Slow horses. Yeah. yeah they're the ones who couldn't make it. So somebody has left a highly classified file on the tube. Uh, yeah. Somebody else has like uh, blown up an airport in a training exercise. Uh, yeah. stuff like that. Um, but uh, yeah, they get caught up in uh, intrigue of their own and they are constantly tried to like main MFI will want to make them the scapegoat of whatever also so that they can blame like a fuck up on the slow horses. So there's a lot of that. Um, I'll quickly... Starring, starring Gary Oldman. So Gary Oldman. Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Bad Spy. <laughs> yes. In this, he's super uh, disgusting and like he's like a slob who... There are great scenes in the first two seasons of him eating noodles. It's the worst thing you'll ever see. <laughs> like, literally falling out his mouth, whatever else. Uh, he's introduced in season one. 
parting himself awake. Camera panning along the feet of someone sleeping, and suddenly there's this big fart noise, and he'll wake up. He's like farted so loudly that he woke himself up. Like that's that's a level that he's going at. But it's one of the smartest spy shows. It's uh, super pacey, usual Brit style, six hours, so in and out, very quick. Doesn't overstay its welcome. A uh, lot of fun. And uh, I'll just plug. I did a review on Money Control for the latest. Uh, uh, season so you can read that for more and we'll discuss in detail whenever uh, you end up watching in the next episode will be a Jigartanda slow horse uh, retrospective fair enough I'll, I'll be able to catch up you <laughs> have the problem oh, yeah. catching oh up my up. god okay <laughs> give it yeah. a couple of episodes <laughs> we'll we'll yes yeah. no but it's one of those things by the way if you watch two episodes you'll watch the whole thing so it's at least a season full is very Easy, easy to watchable. run through. Understood. Yeah. Because properly set up for action and pace and whatever else. Anyway, and super funny. Super funny. That brings us to the end of this latest episode of The Intermission, where we spend some time talking about the Fargo cinematic universe, or should I say the Coen Brothers cinematic universe, which has been uh, uh, celebrated and uh, exemplified quite beautifully in Fargo, the TV series. Uh, this is Nitin and Dodi signing off. We will be back uh, hopefully sooner than before to to do our next episode and yes. uh, yeah we'll see what we do uh, meanwhile uh, do stay in touch with us on twitter we are at your intermission most likely to give us feedback over there and uh, yeah do let your friends know about the show and give us five star ratings on spotify that helps more people discover the show yes please uh, like rate review and uh, give us feedback uh, one thing we didn't talk about, maybe we can do it next time. Let's talk about uh, our year-end uh, Spotify wrapped or oh, yeah. podcast wrapped, or which we've been sharing. That's a good idea. So we can share that. Maybe we can do that as our next episode. episode. Yeah, sure. We'll share our Spotify wraps. Great content. Yes, why not? <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Good seeing you again, Nitin. Bye-bye. Oh.